Cassandra. Carrie. Who are we? I get to do it today. The Screaming Devils. I'm in my drastic room. leave that there i love you screaming divas people <laughs> oh and i only had a diet coke today i know all right who do we interview oh my goodness we have someone really interesting that we want to introduce to all of our viewers listeners yay perrin leach the new general director of, of the coc people canadian opera company house we both love so so much Carrie is actually sung there more than me holy moly how is that possible i don't know if i believe that but okay <laughs> but parent parent leech people still stuck in houston he was he is the outgoing a managing director of houston grand opera and the new general director of the canadian opera company he woof, we are all really super excited to see what he's going to do with this beloved company. He's got some really wonderful ideas. Uh, I love where he come, you know, where he's coming from with the future of opera. And we talked so much about that in this interview that this is really another one. I know we say this a lot, but truly this is not another one to miss. I love what he he stands for with diversity and the future of this of the opera business, the inclusivity of not only his own company, but all of the companies in Canada, because his vision is that we cannot do this alone. We need to, the, we need to do this together. Brilliant village right and village why should we not embrace each of these arts organizations instead of being exclusive let's be inclusive and wow bravo to him yep. and also bravo to him for accepting a new job like this in the middle of a pandemic craziness but we're gratefully did so excited yeah check out the clip and can't wait to meet him in person when we are all back in theater soon. Hopefully. Get vaccinated, people. Get the shot. Work yeah. it out. Just do it. Just do it. They say. Listen, I, I, I don't claim to know everything. I'm certainly not a, you know, a musicologist in the, in the way that an Alexander or an Anthony is. But what I do know is how to put shows on. I do know how to create an environment in which we can do really good work. Okay. And I understand the business side of it. I, I, entrepreneurial wise, I, I'm not, I, I don't ever accept the, well, we don't do that in opera. Well, then you're, then you're a Muppet. If you don't continue to evolve, you're a Muppet. Yeah. Hello. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you doing? Good, how are you doing? Doing great. This is for you. My two options. Cheers. All right. So you like Diet Coke, not Coke Zero. I, I, uh, I, I shouldn't drink either of them, but there you go. There you go. There you go. Whatever. Mm -hmm. You got to do what exactly. you got to do. You can't exactly. get Diet Coke here in Paris, so I have to go with Coke Zero. Coca Light. Coca Light. Coca Light. <laughs> with no oh, ice. Coke. Never with ice. <laughs> oh, they look at you. Well, you ask for ice and they give you one cube. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, you, don't know the, I, you don't know my fridge drama that I've gone through oh. for the last two months here in Paris, but uh, you know, gin tonic without ice. Yeah, forget it. Rude, rude. Yeah. <laughs>
I didn't have a fridge for two months. Cheers. Yikes. Wow. Hello. We have not met. This is Carrie. Carrie. I'm Perrin. Hi. Nice, nice to meet you. It's a pleasure. Yay. Thank you for being on our show. <gasps> yes. For the insanity. Well, yeah. so, okay. So I, I, I'd watched the one with the HGF studio artists and stuff. I hadn't realized just how many amazing people you've had on. So I now feel like I'm under pressure because you've had um, like the, the creme de la creme on. Um, oh, mic on. drop, yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm, <just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, come on. And Carrie's like, yep, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, come on, you were right up there with all of them and you have so much to share yes. with our audience. And that's why we really wanted you on the show to introduce you and your new position. Especially yep. with a company that we both, are, it's a special place in both of our hearts. We work there yeah. so much. We love we love it there. It's a family. Yeah, totally. totally. No, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. But you're leaving one family that you've been with for a really long time to go to yeah. a new one. And we're really excited to talk to you about that. So again, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, no problem. I haven't told my family yet that I'm leaving them here, but, um, oh, you mean Houston Grand Opera, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Best comment we've had ever. Thank you. <laughs> no, well, let's let's talk about the last um, year, six months of your life. Uh, a lot has happened. Yeah, a huge amount. I mean, you know, listen, the, the performing arts has been hit over the last year in its own way. Um, and, you know, I mean, if you'd said a year ago, and you know, we're really kind of at the one year anniversary right now. Uh, if you'd said a year ago that, you know, I would have left HO, moved to, you know, got the job in Canada, not moved to Canada, <laughs> having never visited, um, you know, since, since the interview broker started. I mean, I've been to, to, to CSE several times, but um, since the interview progress started, I've not met none of the board physically. I've met like maybe two or three of the staff over a long period of time. Uh, and that's the way it's done in pandemic times. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, I would never have be believed any of that was possible, but it, it is. And the opportunity came and I'm you know, utterly, utterly thrilled to be joining the CSC family. It's going to wow. be great. I love what, it. what a gigantic thing to great. do during the pandemic. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. Just... Yeah. I mean, it's, listen, it was a gigantic thing to move. I mean, listen, we've done family moves. So we moved from London to Wales um, when, when I became technical director in Welsh National. And that, that may not, I mean, you know, it's 70 miles. In, you, in American terms, you're like, that's our next door village. Right. But in real terms, it, you know, that was a big move from the, from the metropolis of London, where I spent most of my life, down to, to, to Wales. Um, and then, then you know, Anthony went to uh, Houston and said, come over. And I said, you know, no for about six months and then eventually did come over to Houston. And, you know, our kids have grown up here and one's in college in Houston and one's in college in the, on the West Coast. Um, and, and, you know, we weren't, it's, none of this is planned. You know, I mean, you, you, you know, as singers, you think mm -hmm. to yourself, here's my career path, and I'll be doing this. It doesn't work that way. No. You have to be open to just whatever comes up um, and do the best you can in that job. And hopefully someone recognizes that and says, oh, they're quite bright. They could maybe do something. And, you know, you, you carry on. So, no, it, it's, it is another huge move, but, you know, it's, it's the right time. And there have been other opportunities in my time in Houston that just didn't work out with schools and kids. And, you know, life gets in the way of so many things. Right. Um, uh, or, or not gets in the way, but shapes sort of decisions and things. But um, sure. no, it's, again, 
make it the most awkward time you possibly can and then do it then. Why not? <laughs> Isn't well, that always the way it is? <laughs> uh -huh. The good news is that the queen is all, on all of our Canadian money. So you're going to feel a little bit more like you're, you're back in England, you know. But sh shouldn't it be Meghan Markle? Uh, you know what? I really think it should be. Come on, people. Let's or, or, or Oprah. Or Oprah. I agree with that 100%. One, one of the two. I mean, you know, <laughs> that, that would be a, a big change out there. Yeah. Okay, are you okay? You do not have to answer this, but are your kids happy or not happy about Canada? Um, I, I, I think that they're, the, the each day is different. I mean, they're, they're, the, the, the twins are 20, so you know, each day is slightly different. So, Kirsty um, got into some very good schools up in the northwest. Um, we won't name them, but good schools up in the northwest. Nice. Um, and, and, but chose to stay at Rice. Uh, so to go to school at Rice University in, in Houston, which is an amazing school. I mean, like a really yeah. amazing school yeah. because her eldest sister, um, Gemma, is, is a wheelchair user and lives with us. So okay. she didn't, she's, they've never really been separated for very long in their lives. Oh, so yeah. she kind of had that pull and, and, and you know, Kirstie's definitely gone to school at Rice. She lives on campus and she lives in an apartment now and stuff. But it's nice for her to be able to come back and forth. Sure. Um, Rory, you know, he, he's gone to the West Coast. He, he's training to be an actor. Um, so you know, but we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see if, he, if if that's where he ends up or whether he ends up behind the camera or whatever. But but you know, Houston wasn't going to be his his base anyway. Right. Um, so you know, anytime you've grown up in a house for a long period of time, it becomes your home and yes. in some ways. But they're kind of they're they're origin wise. They were born in London. They grew up their middle their like early years in Wales. Then then we came here. So the majority of their mature life has been in Houston, but um, I, I think you know, Toronto is such an amazing city that you yeah. know, and we've visited. I said we visited as a family, so they know the city. Um, so no, I think I, I think it can be you know, on any given day, as with any child, they can be like, this is the greatest thing ever, what a great adventure, mm -hmm. or I will never speak to you again because you know, you slighted me in some way with your eyebrow. It, it totally. can go either way. Yep. Well. It, it, for your son, it is really the mecca of film now. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, Toronto has such an amazing um, film community as well. Yes. Um, and you know, I, I certainly hadn't realized just how big Toronto was. So it's you know, it's basically now, as I understand it, you know, LA is still number one. Atlanta obviously is number two because they mm -hmm. spent so much tax dollars on, on making that an attractive proposition and then Toronto's number three so you know it's actually a good move for, from that point of view yeah that's cool. Um, so yeah we'll and see we'll see and you're still stuck in Houston you cannot get into Canada is that correct that is absolutely correct um so the, the you know the immigration is, re is really backed up anyway um and obviously you know Canada's done a much better job of clamping down and, and not letting the virus run rampant right yeah you know, we're in Texas so we just shoot guns into the air and hopefully kill the virus well, you don't have to wear a mask now, right? Yeah, that, it's all gone. I mean, it's the virus, when, when, when that mandate came out from the governor, everyone's like, oh, it's gone then. That's great. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take my science, my science stuff from scientists, not from politicians. Thank you. Um, I, yeah. I live in Tennessee, so I'm, they haven't completely Go. done away with the masks yet, but uh, it's coming. Yeah, it's, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. I just wanted to, to, to mention you and I had a conversation recently and yeah. i think you're the only person i know that didn't gain weight during the pandemic in <laughs> fact <laughs> so yeah so let's, 50 pounds yeah so so this this was this was basic yeah but that carrie that just shows what a fat bastard i was before um so 
the reality of it is, the reality of it is that that I, I, I've always been someone. So the Brits have a lot of different ways of of talking about being overweight. So you know, the, it's never said, "Oh, you're really fat." But the, the things like, "You know, oh, hey, big man, how are you?" And and yes. sort of, you know, I've been part of my life the entire time. And and they have like really really fun ones. Like he's a big unit. <laughs> Uh, okay that that what does that mean you know uh, or he, he never says no to seconds is another one of my favorites you know Perry he never says no to seconds my husband calls himself a fat fuck my husband's yeah. British yeah there you go exactly so so we, the, the self-depreciation plus everything else um mean, mean and the dry sense of humor and all those things so there's a lot of things anyway the, the long and short of it was I had got very big I, I toured for a long time with an opera company and and my justification at that point was I was fueling because I was so physically active and I was um but I was you know putting fuel into the pedal tank anyway I then went to you know wasn't touring uh, and you know the weight went on um, and then I gained my baby weight and never got rid of that you know as I had children and stuff so anyway, all, all the longest I got very big before I got to, came to Houston um and so I, I um I lost a whole lot of weight when I came to Houston um which again I'm weirdly, not weirdly, I'm fiercely competitive. So um, coming to Texas and being told you'll definitely put weight on in Texas, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go the other way. So okay. I, 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 my, my first big weight loss journey, and, and, and I'll come back to that in a second, my first weight loss journey, I went down, my biggest, I got to 328 pounds. Okay. okay. And I got down to 210 nice. over, wow. uh, over, 18, over 18 months. Wow, um, and that was there's a, like there's a real huge thing for, for for most people, and again there are people who have other health issues, but mm-hmm. for most people, if you, um, I need to put this in the scientific terms, if you eat less and exercise more, you lose weight. For most people, it's not really complicated. It's literally calories in, calories out. You know, right. For most people. Um, so anyway, I did. That's what I did for eighteen months, and I got down, and and but I, I just sort of gradually started to move back up. And at the start of the pandemic, when I realised that I wasn't amused, you know, I was like, okay. And also, Zoom is such a, oh. you know, a, a for my mind, it's so hard. So I anyway, long short of it was, I'm a fiddler. I'm a, you know, I like to be active. So I started to walk and talk rather than just just sit on Zoom all the time, um, nice. and eat less. And 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 a Houston summer as well. Yep, and all, all of those things. And, and I said to, to, to Sandra when we were talking about this, I, I've always eaten my calories. I've never drunk my calories um, yeah. because I just, you know, if, if you're going to do that, I would much rather be putting a pie in my face than, than a gin and tonic. Me too. So, Thank you. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Anyway, so that, that's the long and short of it. I, I, I gained, I lost about another 50 pounds to get back to about 220. And I've just started to eat back up. So I'm just going to try and take care of that before I come to Canada. Um, I'm not going to do anything drastic like walk to Canada or anything. Well, you know what? Canada, ha- Toronto has some amazing food chefs. So take off as much as possible now yeah, so yeah. you can gain a little bit when you get to Toronto. <laughs> I, think that, I think the point is, though, that, that that's all totally fine if we're not doing it all the time. It, this is, this is what, what people, I think, get into these kind of horrible diet things. And I've got to where you need to do everything in moderation. And if you are generally living a healthy lifestyle and, and having a pro- proper balanced diet most of the time, it's completely fine to go out and have a, a really nice, wonderful gourmet meal you know, twice a week. But you can't do it five times. 
and then expect to just you know be going all the time with snack. And then why am I gaining weight? So that, you know, anyway. Right? Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Well, no. What? Why am I clothes still shrinking? People, come on. <laughs> oh, you have We're, to meet my husband. No, I love. I love it. I love the. I love the eighty twenty rule. You know, eighty percent you're on your what you, what you know you need to do to make yourself feel great, and you're not hurting, and you're moving, and all that kind of stuff. And then twenty percent is the fun stuff. You know, twenty yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah. I love that, or whatever the percentage is that works for you. That to me is balance. I think we all need balance because I don't really want to go to France and not be able to enjoy a croissant. No, exactly. Yeah, but, no. but also I, I, you know, I, I know some incredibly. Um, this health is is also about how you feel and how you yes. as you say and so, some people need to be lighter in order to, to put less strain strain on their joints mm-hmm. i've always like been very lucky on that for, you know from that point of view even when i was at my biggest I, I don't have many aches and pains you know and i've got to i got i got called a um what's the word a very experienced arts administrator when the job got which just means i'm old um <laughs> but then, like you know, you start you start to sort of go, how dare they? And then you go, actually, my first professional job was in 1983. So yeah, no, I'm old. Actually, that's that's genuinely, yep, yep. Okay, that's cool. a hard one to accept. You know, the day that you say, yeah. when, when as singers, especially, you know, you're always yeah, the yeah. youngest in the room, and then all of a sudden you blink your eyes, and one day you're the oldest in the room. Uh huh. Like, yeah. And, and people say, 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 oh, Sandra's a wonderful, wonderful mentor. You're like, hang on. Well, well when did I become a mentor? I, I'm just coming out and doing my shit. And Wait. then suddenly I'm a mentor. Yeah. yeah. No. So I, I yeah, again, in technical, right, technical terms, I, I, I was, I went up the ladder quite quickly. So, um, and so, you know, suddenly like, people are like, oh, he's 30 something. I'm like, mm, 25, you know, and, 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 and I just got there quickly. And, um, and, and then of course you suddenly become, Oh no, he's about thirty-five, and you're like, actually, I am thirty-five. <laughs> and then suddenly, you know, you just then you're just old, and the circle so, is done. Um, let's let's. I'd like to know. Just shifting a little bit, pivot. I hate that word. Yeah. Um. So you have a new job, but how does that happen? Do you put the feelers out that, hey, I'm, I, it's time for me to move on, or do they approach you? How how does this happen? Because this is a completely diff- new world to to me and to us. I yeah, think. yeah, sure. Um, it, it, different places do different things. So mm-hmm. so some sometimes um, you know obviously CSC was was known about for quite a long time because Alexander had made his decision, um, you know, and, and that became public, and so people knew that CSC were looking. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm not sure they ever put an official job type a job description and an advert out there. I, I think. They employed a headhunter um, who then started phoning um, their list of people who they know are people who might be of interest to COC, but also might be interested in COC. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that first call happened, you know, quite a long time ago now. And, and at that point, you know, I was in Houston, we were in a pandemic and, and it was kind of like, no, why do these jobs always come at the wrong time? Right. And it, it is exactly that because um, another company, which I don't need to t- say what it is, um, happened in the t- the w- the exact week we were moving into the George R. Brown Convention Center, having lost our fit to the flood. So we were like, I mean, literally doing 150 hour weeks, and and you know, and, and I actually did an interview for for this company um, with literally just a shirt and 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 shorts. And uh, you know, I, I'm sitting there this much in camera, um, and that's it. I've, I've underneath that, I've got my work boots on and and, and shorts and. and <laughs> 
you know, and I just kind of take my hard hat off and I'd be like, oh, how are you? Nice to see you. you know, stuff and then go off and, and, and go back and, and get sworn out for being incompetent. Um, so it's, uh, but in, in uh, with COC, the, the journey was exactly that. You know, and then you'd have a, a, a long list of you know, eight, 10 people or whatever. And, and, and uh, the one thing I'll say, COC did a fantastic job of the succession committee were really focused uh, in what they wanted. Um, and once it became clear that in-person interviews weren't going to happen uh, in, in Toronto, they changed and, and, and moved to a different model. Um, and, and I think their, their biggest concern by the end was, you know, and, and then you get the, the call that, that is, is, is kind of the fun call of like, I think they're going to offer it to you. There's a phone call tomorrow morning. Um, and you're like, yeah, we wouldn't be having this call if you didn't know that um, mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, and you know, so that that process was different. I, I think in you know again post pandemic we're going to be looking at some of these things. You know, is it continually flying half a dozen people in to meet staff and all of those things? Right. The one thing it does allow you to do is keep the process really really quiet. You know, there, there was no word in the, in the in the in the industry at all about who who it was, and and you know I I, I mean saw very little speculation because of course if general director a doesn't turn up and and you know even do a quiet tour around the four seasons and yeah. seen by two two or three people actually i'll, I'll tell you a, a funny story so um <clears throat> anthony anthony freud when he got the job in in houston i actually got a call from somebody in uh, who bizarre an american guy who was the husband of some a musician that i knew in the uk a british musician and she texted me to say, my husband's in Houston. He's just seen Anthony Freud in the corridors at Houston Grand Opera, hmm. question mark. So I take, so I, and Anthony at this point was on holiday in, in Barcelona. Um, so I, I texted Anthony and said, knowing him really well, I texted him and said, hey, listen, Houston? You in Houston? And he came back like, fuck. How do you know that? It's like we it goes all around the world, yeah. right? Huh. And you, I mean, you know, opera. It's like you can't you can't break wind without someone knowing about it. And, you know, it's, just, it's like it's ridiculous. So anyway, so it's um, yeah, so true. All in all, it it, it, it but CSC kept the process really quiet, and I think they, they did a good job of, of that. Um, you know, and, and then of course I leave Houston, and so there Houston starts to look, and that becomes known, and that. You know, again, they're using a headhunter and it'll go through a similar process, I guess. Um, but I, I think some of the jobs are, are, and this is one of the challenges we have as an industry, and just to get serious for, just for a second, you know, of, of when it is all done by word of mouth and hearsay and, and talking, the pool of candidates is small. The, the people who have experience of running large companies is relatively small. Okay, so it's, you're going to ask those people first, or you're going to be taking a step up, you know, it's a, a risk on someone stepping up. Right. Um, and of course, this is this is where the 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 the, our, our, the aim for us and the desire for us to have a more diverse set of leadership within opera companies. How do we address that? Because ultimately, at this point in time, the training isn't. Getting, I mean, I, I, there's no formal training for being a general director. Right. I will bring a completely different set of skills to Alexander. I think I have some skills that Alexander doesn't have. He certainly has lots of skills that I don't have. So you know, but ultimately we come from the same pool, gene pool of white males who, right. you know, had a, the, the luck or the privilege or whatever to be in situations where we're considered and promoted and given opportunities. Mm -hmm. So how do we 
open up that opportunity pipeline so that more people, uh, you know, from people of color, but also you know, gender-wise, how how do we build that? Because you know, how, how do we stop it being? It, it's been proven now in in politics, women can are probably better politicians because they're less led by their own stubbornness. <laughs> so they're much more open to conversation. Mm-hmm. But may, so many women drop out of politics because of you know of the traditional looking after children and all of those things. If you don't look after children, then somehow something. All of those questions that as we continue as a as a society, and this is not just an opera thing. Mm-hmm. It's a society about how how we get you know a a much better representation of of, of um, uh, the communities we are yeah. in our leadership structures. Good. Because we have to give up. Because if, if if you don't build that from the bottom, then you don't get anywhere. No, I totally yeah, I totally agree with that. It's um, I'm happy that those opportunities are opening up and that they are happening. But you're right. Where does the training come from? Where does it start? Where yeah. are those? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there is no formal training, and it, it, it you know yeah. if if everything you do uh, as you know as a administrator of color, let's say, is questioned more than the, than your white equivalent. After a while, I mean, listen, I know how tough it is to get to where I got to with mm-hmm. an enormous privilege behind me. Mm-hmm. At some point, you just go, this isn't worth it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and just drift out. And it's, you know, I mean, one of the things that we'll discover with hindsight in a few years time, what, what did the pandemic do to the industry? Because it's, mm-hmm. you know, it'll unquestionably driven a whole load of singers who we will never see again. Right. Because they've had to find an alternative way of making a living. Yeah. Administrators, you know, people who got furloughed or laid off, you know, had to retrain. You know, are our state stage managers is a good example. You know, they haven't worked now for a year and a bit, mm-hmm. most of them, um, and they're highly skilled, highly intelligent people at problem solving. Mm-hmm. Lots of industries need that, but they never. You know, I'll never leave the industry. I, you know, yes, I'm paid awfully, and yes, I work late nights and weekends and stuff, but I love this. Mm-hmm. They've been forced out of it for a year at least. Yeah. So the, only the very dedicated will come back and go. So I'm earning the same amount of money for working for this party planner, where I work nine to five, you know, Monday to Friday, or whatever, whatever they, you know, ended up having to do. Yeah. And, and we'll have lost some unbelievable talent through yeah. the pandemic, uh, yeah. and there will be less companies, and 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 and. And so you know, it, it's it's sort of it's um easy to be, and it's not pessimistic; it's realistic. Yeah. yeah, we we need to be celebrating what a career in the arts can do. Um, and you know, when you when you look at when you start you know, in the US right now, we're talking a lot about minimum wage, for instance. You know, and, right. and people saying, "Oh, that would make burgers four hundred pounds if you went to McDonald's if you make it." You're like, "No, no, hang on a second. In the states where the minimum wage is fifteen dollars, the burger is four, 14 cents more expensive." I think the vast majority of people would pay that 14 cents happily yeah. to know that the people who are doing, and, and again, and this is a naivety, but um, $15 an hour minimum wage times 40 hours, which is you know generally considered to be what people right. should be fit comfortable, is $31,000 a year. That's exactly, I mean, Sandra, your face says it all. I, I hadn't done that math before, but someone, was something that I saw that someone had done that math and I'm like you know I'm thinking okay that's sort of 40 45 thousand dollars a year 15 dollars an hour mm-hmm. not at all 31 31 and a half thousand a year and, and you know, by the time you take, well, 
Exactly. So, no. you know, even there's a question as to $15 in most states as a living wage anyway. Now, in, in you know, some Houston is a cheaper city to live than Chicago or whatever, but you know, whatever. Can you live on $31,500 in Chicago with a, with a family? No, for no. New York. Yeah, or New no. York or where, yeah, what, San Francisco. So at that point, you're into a second job, you know, 60 hours, maybe gets you to just over 40, 43, 40. You're like, okay, there's something really wrong with this. Yeah. Um, and it's not about giving people handouts. It's not about disincentivizing people. It's about having, valuing people, valuing your your teams, your workforces, because ultimately they are the, you know, the, the people who, the, the, the less glamorous side as well. You know, yeah. if, if your venue um, isn't probably maintained and house kept, then people stop coming to your venue. People go, oh, yeah, oh, then you got really old, it smells a bit, and the toilets aren't very clean. And so then people stop coming. And there are so many excuses to not come right. to a theatre. So, anyway, all those things to say are that, you know, that there's a, a whole load of, of conversations about how we live as a society at being more equitable and, and fair, but, but opera clearly has, you know, has put its own house in order as well. No, I, yeah, you know, you make me think of the, there's a really great book called Nickel and Dimed um, that right. talks about, about minimum wage and what someone actually has to do to survive on two to three jobs. And that it even talked about like, how do you even get an apartment? Because normally you have to have first months last, you know, three, almost three month mortgage payments yeah. and, um, and that there's no way that that's even possible on a minimum wage job, just one minimum no. wage job. No, no, no. And, and, uh, and this sort of, rhetoric of well just need to get a better job then well that you know that all that rhetoric comes from people who probably have fallen into jobs through their own position they started in right i don't know whether you've ever seen that there's a video of 100 kids stood on a, on a football field mm -hmm. um goal line yes. and it, you know if you've had this advantage take a step forward and, and you just watch how many yeah. of those kids are left behind an, an enormous amount and I, yeah. I agree with you. I, when you look at the business, our business as a whole, the, if you lined up all of us on a football field and watched that walk yeah. down, what yeah. that's going to look like. And it's devastating, honestly. It's devastating. I mean, yeah. Yeah. just it's even talking to singers that have been in the business for as long as, you know, Sandra and I both have looking at the future and saying, okay, what now? And like what you're saying, I mean, how do you yeah. even build a resume for a regular job when you've been on a stage for the last 15 mm -hmm. years? You know, it's insane. Yeah. And, um, and trying to enter a job market where, it's it's brutal. It's brutal to find. Yeah, totally. So can we talk about that? About your title in HGO and then your title at sure. Canadian Opera Company. Mm -hmm. So, to, I would like to know from you what is going to be the difference between being the managing director of HGO to being the yeah. general director of the COC. Okay, so let's go take a couple of steps back from that. Historically, this the general manager slash general director role. So obviously, Peter's. Job at the Met is called general manager, but he's essentially the general director. Mm -hmm. um, in, in, uh, and then the European companies are, generally speaking, slightly different. You know, with the intendant system, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. But but the uh, Houston model of a general director, the office of the general director, with Anthony Freud, music director reporting to Anthony, um, and then a executive director, and then what became a chief operations officer, mm -hmm. which was me, and a chief advancement officer. So that's the structure which is, has a clear head to the pyramid uh houston decided uh when i when when anthony left 
the best thing was, you know, we had Patrick, who'd been here for many, many years as, a, as, the, as the music director, mm-hmm. um, to give him more artistic responsibilities and me to continue to run the business. And, and honestly, that's a, a world that sort of works in the ballet world. Um, yeah. It's more common in the ballet world. Um, so that's what they did. Um, I, I made, you know, uh, my feelings really clear that at, at times that can lead to just some confusion about who's got the final decision. Okay. Um, in, in Houston, we both report to the board. Um, they're, they're changing structure now. They go, they go to a general director position, oh. and that's what they're advertising for right now. So, mm-hmm. so they, they've changed the structure. Right. Um, and I think that is, I think it's a better structure for opera companies generally. I think okay. you need to know that that at some point the buck stops with one person. Um, yeah. And uh, and I, I think that that's, for, in terms of clarity of leadership for an organization, I think that that, there are very few places work which work well with two people running the organization. I agree with that. You know, somebody has to be responsible too. And yeah. And, and ultimately as you, as we all know, opera is a team game anyway. Yes. There has to be someone there at the end who goes, okay, I've listened to everybody. This is what we're doing. But ultimately it's such a team game. Your, Your senior staff group have to be the people who you empower to do their jobs. So, but, but they all have to be pulling in the same direction. And I think that's really important. What's your goal at the COC? Do you have a, you know, a plan in mind or? My, my plan is to, phys- to physically get there is, the, is <laughs> step one of the plan. Step at some one. point, you know. Arrive um, in Canada. Yeah. Get so, ready for so, the hotel stay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, it's like staying on one of those, one of those um, ocean liners where they say like, yeah. They've got listed. They've got that horrible stomach gastroenteritis thing. But stay on there. No, I won't get off it. What are you talking about? Put me in a hotel with other people who may have COVID. What the hell are you talking about? Uh, um, so, I, well, hopefully, I'm again depending on on on, on what happens with you know, the Canadian government. I may may avoid all that because uh, you know I've had my first shot in Texas. Um, I, I, yeah. So so you know hopefully. Yep, hopefully within a few weeks I'll have my second shot and, and I'll be I'll be vaccinated. Awesome. Um, I know, I know, but it's it, Canada. Thing is, Canada needs to be cheering for America to go as quickly as possible because once that has happened, more vaccine will become available. That's just you know yeah. again that's exactly. It, Send it up north, but, please. Yep, come on, people. Yeah, Get it done. Yeah, listen, listen. I'm going to solve the CSE's budget budget issues by just bringing a crate of it with me when I come. I'm just like, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, and sell it for a lot of money. Yeah. Oh, that's no, hilarious. No, no, I, I, I'm just the going right. I'm okay. not, I'm not going to gouge anyone. Okay. I, I'm not, I'm go. not that guy. Okay. I, I, um, anyway, uh, there was a question there at some point ago. Yeah, oh, yeah what, goal. Um, what, so, what's so, your goal so, with this so, year? Yeah, my, listen, my, my goal is to build on, on Alexander's artistic excellence. I think that, that uh, we can be bolder. I think we need to be very, um, uh, bullish about the future of opera opera is going to continue to evolve quickly now you know mm-hmm. we we've got forced into some some change um and uh that we, we none of us thought we could do no one can work from home that's ridiculous it'll never work well guess what we had to and it has worked mm-hmm. and yes there are productivity things and certainly with a performing arts organization there'll be some tweaks to that model as to how to make it work work better but it, it's worked Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, to build on that artistic excellence, but I, I think we can, we need to be the opera company that really has an imprint in the community, the whole community of Toronto. 
we're, we're not just about doing opera downtown for a few people who who you know ultimately have been unbelievable supporters of the opera pandemic so you have to be careful how to not just go and, and change the direction massively quickly but because that, that is ultimately the future of opera sorry i have to just show you this you, you can cut it out but so george our dog is not allowed up here george! He, he decided to so so i i he's just woken up so i, I i'm in my son's bedroom um, because it's just the quietest place in the house and the best Wi-Fi. So, um, oh. but yes, George has just woken up and he's George! not impressed. I'm, I'm being quite loud. George, oh, so sweet looking. So, Carrie so, so, has so, a... so, Sandra, this, this was this, oh, so, yeah. <laughs> when I, when I started last week. This is this is all was all here waiting for me. So that's like a big thing of maple oh, syrup. I and, oh, oh, I, I love, love that. that. And the that flag. Is, oh, Canada. Is, um, so, Carrie has a big Saint Bernard. Yes, my oh, I have fantastic. we did a rescue St. Bernard in the pandemic and he's my 170 pound baby who I love more than uh -huh. so, so when when did you get him? We got him in November. Okay. So we, we got George in June and he he'd been on the street for a bit and then gone into rehab and stuff. But he's the most beautifully placid and and as I because my eldest is in the, is is a wheelchair user, he's like when we're out on walks, he's very like protective of her. I mean it's it's just gorgeous. I love that. No, yeah, we have a, it's a beautiful, he's four and, um, and now he has a brand new life and uh, he is spoiled rotten, yeah. loves every minute of it. And, um, and I really hope that when we can come back to the theaters that I'm lucky enough to walk his big 170 pound butt into the opera house and be like, Hey, everybody. <laughs> uh -huh. And yeah. with his goobers everywhere, um, you're going to have him like uh, yeah. the slobber bobbering <laughs> all over. He'll be like some of the baritones you've sung with, Sandra. That's true. Um, hello. Yes. <laughs> well, Carrie, Carrie will tell you that um, sometimes I can be a bit of a spitter. Ah. Um, classic COC, Anna Bolena, Jane Seymour, massive woogie at Jane Seymour. And I'm trying to keep it together and not laugh during a very serious scene between the two of us. It was classic. I mean, just love. Oh, uh, wings, I'm never going to live that down for Never. No. <laughs> no. Oh my I, God. Okay. Okay. I really okay. want to ask you about that. Hang on. Hang on. I, oh. Karen, Karen, let me just finish that, that thought for a second. Okay. So, so, Sandra, the, the, yeah. the, the, my goals, if you want to call them up, yeah. I, I hope I've always left each company I've been to. Um, in a better state than it was before, either financially, organizationally, or, you know, just, just generally, you know, I've, I've never left a job where I thought, you know what, I, I, I made that company worse or I didn't add to that company. So, mm -hmm. and I would love in, you know, I'm on a five-year contract, maybe after another contract, I would love to be able to hand over to, a, to a, an administrator of color, because I think that, that shows that we would have made some real, um, impact over a period of time, because, you know, that, that, that's, where the industry needs to evolve to is is having more voices at the table and everybody having an equal voice. I yes. love that. Love, Thanks. love, love that so much. Okay. I really love the Texas Opera Alliance. And I listened to an interview that you did and it made me curious about how you want to bring that to Canada and about connecting the, sure. the opera companies. Um, do you want, are there initiatives that you started in Texas, you know, like with the low ticket cost campaign? I'm not sure, sure if I said that correctly, but um, that yeah. and then the Texas Opera Alliance, are those things that because they were so successful in Texas, do you want to try and incorporate that into Canada? 
listen, I, I need to be you know respectful and listen to to, to the um, other members of the association of Canadian opera companies, obviously. And, and Christina Lowen does an amazing job of like bringing those people together. But the reality of it is that that none of us are in competition with each other. Um, we we all have our own communities to represent and to, and and to to, you know, to speak to. But in real terms, people who like opera tend to like opera wherever they. Mm-hmm. they are and what i would love to do is just get that feeling you know as with texas opera lines of, of i would much rather make austin stuff totally available you know and, and co-partner with them even if it's just promotional and, and some of this will just be promotional sure um and, and you know i also know it's, it's um very difficult for uh, i mean having worked at english national opera, which is the second company in london and then worked at welsh national which is the national company of, of wales but is also sort of seen as a sort of bastard stepchild in some ways in the in the English funding system. It's a, the, the, but but it doesn't. None of it really matters. That that's politics. The, the, keeping the opera community together and widening that group is about you know there's wonderful work going on in Montreal, in Vancouver, in in Calgary, in Winnipeg. We should be sharing all of that because yes, you especially in a time when physically people aren't going to go to those places yeah. to watch opera. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if there is digital output, if there's interesting com, com, you know, uh, interesting community conversations, and you know, COC hosted one about gender um, uh, in, uh, the other night, why wouldn't someone in Calgary find that interesting? If you're interested in opera and, and gender issues within opera, why wouldn't you find that interesting? So why, you know, this again, this is not a competition. This is the rising tide floating all boats. So when it comes to specifics, that's that's who I am as a person. I, I, I you know, our job as a national company is to support and help and nurture all the other companies in any way that we can. And you know, and that so it's so easy for that to become a domineering thing. And I, that that that's not that's when it doesn't work. Okay. HGO is the biggest company in Texas by quite a considerable amount. It doesn't help us. You know, we're, we're constantly trying to say that's fine, but we do work of all scales. So you know, we, we can do a piece with two people and a swing quartet in, you know, in a found venue. That's very similar in size and scales as what Ashton's doing in Fort Worth, uh, for Fort Worth Opera. And Annie has an ambition to bring amazing new works to, to Austin. And you know, he's, he's in Grand Opera has a history of new works so that we know we have a community of people who love that. Mm-hmm. You know, Lauren's trying to establish something in San Antonio that's very different. Ian has different challenges to Houston because of, you know, so we all have our own different challenges, but the reality of it is we, we've got to be stronger together. I mean, yeah. who, who ever heard of it getting weaker with the more people who have a voice at the table? Um, so and you, you just te- got a big grant in, in Canada too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was, so that, okay, this is a, here's a fun story. So I was doing the, uh, the town hall to meet the staff for the first time. You know, first Monday of work, I'd met a few of them, but, but uh, on Zoom. So there's 170 odd people on the call. And I literally had just said, you know, look, um, I, I think I'm pretty approachable. Um, I'm pretty down to earth. And if, you know, if you need to say something, I'd, I'd much rather hear it. And uh, you know, my, my, my door's kind of always open and, and you should feel free to reach out. It may take a couple of days or whatever, but you know, anyway, at that point, I'm literally like this, with this background behind me and everything. And my phone starts going as I'm trying to scan around 170 people, and it, and it says Toronto, um, uh, Canada, phoning. So I held up my phone like this, and I'm going to say, um, "When I said my door was always open, uh, not now. I'm I'm like right right now I'm in the middle of something. So can you not call me from Toronto? Anyway, you know, laugh, laugh, 
put the phone down. Anyway, it turned out it was the minister from from <laughs> from of Ontario trying to give us a grant for one point eight six eight million dollars. So next time I'll take that call. Yeah. Anyway, so I, at, the, at, the, at the end of the, at the end of the town hall, I, I listened to the message and I was like, oh my god. But actually, it was, it was probably a good thing because if I'd taken that call in the middle of it, then I would have definitely told people, and it was embargoed till the next day. So it was probably oh. in the for the right order in, in many in many respects. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that that's what it. Um, but the, but that that is you know, again. Canadian government have responded to the pandemic in a different way to the American government and these, you know, these multiple trillion dollar uh, rescue packages for um, for things you know, are badly needed. Um, and the PPP scheme certainly helps Houston and Opera through through mm -hmm. their thing. The, the Canadian way of doing it, where the arts were more generally speaking treated like just another business, mm -hmm. is probably more where we should be in society you know this is not a luxury item this is just how to, how we change that conversation from it being well that's just a you know luxury we can take that away yes i, I get the difference between you know, a nurse who saves lives physically and a musician who saves a life by allowing someone to have focus on on the creative part of their brain it's, it's mm -hmm. a different thing i get that but that's a conversation that we need to be having of of having music having storytelling having creative art you know be it uh, performing arts or be it visual arts or be it you know, um, uh, you know people's lives get saved by finding something that they can center their life on you know that's maybe it's for some people it's painting for some people it's drawing for something it doesn't matter you know you'll find people on construction sites who write poetry that's actually who they are mm -hmm. and yes the job is something that they pay because they have a family or whatever to support right. but who they are inside is accessed through through that creative art mm -hmm. so th those are the conversations and you know again it's it's so much easier to diagnose physical um uh, challenges than it is to chat uh, to, to look at mental challenges but coming out of the pandemic the the big tail on the on the beast is the mental health Absolutely. of the world because people are struggling. It's huge. You talked about digital content. Do you think that digital content is going to be in our future forever in the opera world? Unquestionably it is. And we need to get better at, at creating work for digital content. Okay. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's another way of opening up. I, I you know, I'm, I'm old school. I, 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 you can't beat having 2,000 people next to you in an auditorium and hearing that you know, that cord ring and everyone's hat, uh, hair goes off, goes off on the back of their neck. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite nights in Houston is the high school night where kids come, they all get dressed up, and, you know, <laughs> but they don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea. So the reaction to Mimi kissing uh, Rodolfo for the first time is a genuine reaction. There's no, there's no <clears throat> oh, this is where he kisses her, or this is where, right. you know, where half the audience know what's coming. Right. This is just a genuine reaction. And it's, it's I mean, you know, that, that's when you understand. It, it just works you know again the electricity i was lucky enough to stand with in new york with, with my son the, the electricity that a, a group of people come and experience a piece of art together make it, it, it's like nothing on earth so that that should should i don't think ever will be replaced mm -hmm. but we have to be as an art form we have to understand that digital is very much part of, of our future and, and how can we then creatively use it and you know opera's been very creative about how it's used things but the, the tradition that we're all used to of coming in, sitting down quietly, the audience 
the orchestra tuning, house lights going down, everyone being silent, and then if anyone rustles anything, everyone's like, "I will kill you." you know, that that that's relatively recent. You yeah. know, the theater the theater used to be like come in when you want, go out when you want. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I think coming out of the pandemic, some of that will 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 be going back to some of that. You know, leave the house light. If you're a socially distanced audience, leave the house lights at a low level. Ask people to be courteous, but the restaurant you don't need to have trying to get 500 people into a restroom at, at, at an interval that you've predetermined you need to just let people go to the restroom when they need to go and it's not that difficult but it's about again it's about you know being respectful and not putting other people off and not ruining other people's enjoyment etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. but the idea that you have to have complete and utter silence oh, yeah. um is I, I don't think it's going to be there anymore okay I, so going back to the COC and talking about going forward. That was a good freeze there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a red slug. Apparently, uh, it's sponsored by Diet Coke. So, yeah, well, here but you that go. That's our advert break. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I've now seen a mug, Kerry. Oh, God, that's fantastic. Isn't that cute? Yeah, yeah, that's really cute. Thanks. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we we know that the next few seasons are already cast and and you you know you're taking over so the the first season that you cast will probably be in two or three years but do you have a type of music that you or a style of music or contemporary music or something that you feel is lacking at the coc or that you're passionate about bringing to the coc new commissions sure i i think in in general terms, um, I, I'm very much an everyman. Um, so you know, uh, if, if I do you know Desert Island Discs, the program? Oh yeah. Desert? Yeah. Okay. So Desert Island. Desert Island. Right, they're, they're the music that you want to hear when you're on a desert island. Oh so take, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, sorry. Took yeah. me a second. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So mine would go from the Clash at one end through to wherever. Um, okay. So so I, I'm a very much an everyman. You know, the, the first couple of records I bought one was by the clash and one was by ABBA so <laughs> I, I'm very much an everyman in terms okay. of, of both you know my musical style and stuff um my 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 mum was listening to musical theatres so that was a bit early on before I I mean I didn't hear an opera until I was you know at, at drama school um I, I didn't listen to an opera because it was in our house we called musical theatre or, or so um my mum was a huge Andrew Lloyd Webber fan um okay. So as I, as I said, you know, we had no musical taste, but we had musical theatre. Um, but but actually, you know what, when you look back on some of the, the early Lloyd Webber works, what he, what he was brilliant at, and I'm sorry, I'm digressing again, but what, what he was brilliant at was he understood marketing, was not marketing yourself as a musical. So I remember, I remember Evita had five singles in the singles charts released, you know, bit by bit. And, and they were fantastic tunes. And it was telling a story. Mm-hmm. And then you wanted to know more about the story of Evita, of Evita. You wanted to find out more about it. And, you know, and, and um, you know, Lin-Manuel is rightly lauded for Hamilton, but this was a similar thing. This was someone who had not come, we'd not come across in our history readings. Yes, we knew about the, the, the regime in Argentina. We knew about the Saber Peron, but right. I learned more about that story because I, saw the musical mm-hmm. and then went and researched it and, and, and no one had heard of alexander hamilton three years ago you know, yes it, 
but it's it's true, isn't it? Right. You'd have heard you'd you'd heard of of some of the of the other you know, Washington, George Washington, of course. But you yeah. haven't. You, so so that's that's how that that could go. So going going back to the actual question, Tom, I'm sorry. Um, okay. So so I, I yes, absolutely. I think we we need to look at, at broadening broadening the repertoire as much as as possible. It should have all of those things in it. So you know, I, I talk about a, a balanced diet. You've got to have your bohems, your butterflies, et cetera, et cetera, because that, those are the tunes that people know, and that, that's what, how you build a business model that is, is terribly broken, but sort of works. But you also then need to have you know, the, the German masterworks, because otherwise people don't see that full canon, and if you don't do them, then your orchestra can't play them when you want to do mm -hmm. them. Um, but you also have to have new work. You have been telling new stories that, that are resonant with your community, um, and you also need to be being slightly less snobby about, you know, well, that's not an opera. Well, I think in a hundred years time, people are gonna look back and say, well, that was clearly that next evolution of mm -hmm. an opera, whether it was was seen as thing. So all of those to say is actually bizarrely because of the pandemic, there is much more flexibility in the next couple of years than there might've been. So there are a whole series of projects which were canceled you know, a year ago now um, that have been pushed forward. Um, and some of those of course have casts attached to them we've already changed one of those to a different title just because you know there has to be flexibility and, and you know it's horrible having a conversation about flexibility with singers um uh, uh, you know again and again because you know you're, you're looking at going i've only got i had nine contracts and i got six of those contracts have been cancelled i've got three left and the other three are being pushed further out into future or, or whatever but you know we, we have to build a case for coming back to doing what we can do realistically and you know we, we were scheduled to open our, our full rep with mm. aida i mean anyone can see that doing aida in this fall is is not going to work very well so we're looking at what we can do to do that how we can use those artists in different ways how some of them can move to different roles etc etc so all of those things is to say that um i think that it would quickly become clear that that i that that i think we can continue to diversify our repertoire to the stage where I hope there's something there for everybody on all scales. So, you know, again, I want to try and break down this six main stage operas. We do work of many scales at COC and we're doing them in venues that are appropriate for whatever that project might, cool. might be. So yeah, of course, there's going to be a lot of opera going on in the Four Seasons Centre, but some of the new work is not best suited to being in the Four Seasons Centre. It's more, you know, more tailored to, to other spaces. Sure. spaces in your community so if i'm telling the story of your community i'm not going to drag you to a different community to tell that story i'm yeah. going to collaborate and create a project with you and i'm going to ask you where you normally would go and gather as a community to see um you know storytelling happening i love that that's cool yeah mm -hmm. big names big directors still do we, do you want yeah i mean this is we're a world-class company and, and and we are on the world stage as as a, an organization that is seen as a you know, very major player. So of, of course that is, is part of, of it, but it's, it's a part of it. And, and I think that you know, most successful organizations do have the, the ability to use that standing, that name, we're, Canadian National, we're essentially the Canadian National Opera, mm -hmm. um, but we want to be absolutely inclusive to all the other companies in Canada and also all the artists who have voices we want, to, you know, we want to try and build something that's greater than, than just being you know, a, a company with a fantastic venue in downtown Toronto doing it to a few people. Um, but yeah. Yay! Yay! Oh, we will be your biggest cheerleaders. Yeah, for Terry's sure. actually sung there more than I have. <laughs>
<laughs> really? I love it there. Yeah, I love the. It's just, I don't know. It just always felt like family. The team that that was there, from the stage management to costumes yeah. to makeup to everybody. It just when you when I went back there, it was like I'd never left. And those are the opera houses that you are more yeah. loyal to because when you go, you don't feel like you're away from home, even though you are. Does that make sense? Yeah. The, uh -huh. Yeah. Listen, I, I I had a singer um, a couple of years ago who who sung. A lot of stuff in in in, in another company. I'm not going to say who it is, um, but they exactly said the exact same thing about Houston. They said, you know, the person who runs that company, I see them maybe once or twice during the entire six weeks I'm there. He said, you're here all the time, Perry. I see you. You hug me in the days when we were allowed to hug. You hug me and and, <laughs> and welcome me back to the company. Mm -hmm. I'm like, because that's who I am as a person. That's the environment I want to create with people. Is where we don't let nonsense get in the way. Right. It, this is about creating good work. And, and people tend to work better if they're happy and enjoying it and, and feel that they can express themselves. Yeah. And, you know, yes, so, you know, so, some of the conversations we've had to have over, over the last three or four years about the, the, the appropriate way to express yourself and to make people not feel mm -hmm. um, you know, threatened or, 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 or intimidated or even uncomfortable again, our conversations that needed to happen in the industry for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you know, again, we, we forget, we got over, we've got, we haven't solved that. We'll never solve that because there will be, always be people who, who you know, let themselves down with behavior. But in real terms, the conversations now are there. If someone is making, generally making people feel uncomfortable, I think those power dynamics are starting to be broken down to the stage where people go, no, enough's enough you going to have this conversation with somebody. Yay. I love that. Um, wow. I have to say, this is like total randomness, but when you were talking about um, Andrew Lloyd Webber, as a kid in marching band who got to march in the Macy's Day Parade, we got, we were taken to the Phantom of the Opera and I'd, I'd never seen anything like that before. And when Masquerade yeah, yeah. happened, I was like, I want to do that. How do I, how do I sing yeah, yeah. wear a big mm -hmm. costume like that? I want to know. And then, uh, you know, in, in came <laughs> opera. <laughs> But, but Kerry, isn't that the point though? Yeah. yeah, but that isn't that the point. The reality of it is that it doesn't matter which art form mm -mm. you end up loving. You know, I, the kids coming in to watch Nutcracker, that's fantastic. They're, yes. They're getting used to going to see the performance in a theatre. You know, listen, I'm a, a ridiculous sportsman. I love everything. My, my wife says that I would watch Albanian tra tractor thing for you know, in the middle of the night if I could. Um, but <laughs> I took my kids to see, to play every sport, and I knew Kirsty, my my daughter, the the, uh, the twins. I knew Kirsty, you know, had this competitive drive about her, and I knew the sport was a good way of, of channeling some of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, soccer didn't like it very much. Baseball, well, just a poor man's cricket. Um, you know, and we walked through. Oh, come on now, come on now. <laughs> that was oh my God. Okay. Uh huh. Yep. Mm, yep. Okay. Yes. Rugby. Yes. Uh, and, and NFL. 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 Just for people who can't play rugby. All of those things. Anyway, all of those things to say that then she finally found. Then then she finally found volleyball, and 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 I, yeah, I don't know whether you know, but women's women's volleyball is massive. I mean, utterly massive. Yeah. Yeah. So so you know, for for three or four years when she was playing high level volleyball. There were five out-of-state tournaments. You know, we went to Hawaii, St. Louis, cool. uh, uh, um, Orlando every year. And the, the tournament in Orlando is worth $70 million to the local economy. That's how big it is. 
Kirsty, Kirsty found the sport for her was volleyball. She went and played it. She's now, you know, she, at, at college, she's she's playing club volleyball because cool. you know, again, she she knows it's not going to lead to a career. So she and she's very smart. So she just went, I'll play at club level rather than at at, at, at varsity level. Um, she plays flag football. I, I, I wish she I wish she'd played rugby because she's she's badass. She's amazing, <laughs> and she would. I mean, she'd be so good at rugby. She doesn't. She doesn't really care if she hurts people. I love um, so, I want to meet yeah. her. <laughs> yeah, no, she's, yes, we, she's, we we have to meet her when when you're back in yeah. Canada. For, for for real, and she, so she's now studying uh, political science and, and wants to be a human rights lawyer. So she's she's yeah, we're proud of we we we're, we're proud of all three of them. Cool. She's she's wow. She's a she's a driven young lady. Love it. Okay, go ahead. Anything else you want to tell our our oh, public yeah. out there, our audience, that anything they need to know about you because this really is a big introduction to sure. our our viewers about yeah you. yeah <laughs> well i think they'll have picked up that from from the interview um listen i i i as i said i'm, I'm very different to alexander um and uh i you know i think that should be celebrated i think that different people bring different things to organizations and i, I think that alexander's an amazing amazing man i've you know watched his career like with great pride because he's, he's he's great at what he does um i, I hope I'm, i can have some of his, uh, some of his success in canada but in real terms it, opera is a team game it's about the people who getting people rolling in the right direction um and you know that that's why I, I would love to see cfc you know five years time looking back with some hindsight it's like we got some momentum going we came out of covid not not defensive about the industry we need if we, if we don't get to sing about the industry and we don't get to, to talk about it in a positive way then who is going to because it's easy to snip and go well you know they're overpaid this they're overpaid that they should all of you need to just touch down because in real terms you know this is an industry that's been here for a long time it has absolutely some evolution to continue to, to mm -hmm. do some of that change will be hard we know that um both you know from business perspective from a from a representational perspective some of that work is going to be really hard but but we have an opportunity. We've had change forced on us. Yeah. How we react to that change shows whether whether we're the right people to be you know running organisations and, and and managing organisations. And the, 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 those organisations will come out of it um, with new identities. Will be the ones that I think are successful. And I, I think CSE is in a great position to do that. Thanks. Uh, those are great great parting words. And if you have five more minutes, sure, absolutely. Cheeky questions. Rapid fire. No <laughs> Rapid fire. Okay. <laughs> All right. Who wants to start? Carrie? Go me ahead. Or... You go. Go, first, go. First, first question. Oh. For George, he's just woken up. When you did that high note, he was like, what the hell's going on? No, when I when I practice or warm up, Humphrey freaks out. He's like, what's happening? What's wrong with you, mom? Are you okay? Is everything okay? What's happening? Uh, yeah. <laughs> And let me lick you and get my slobber all over you. Everywhere. <laughs> okay. Best piece of advice you were ever given? I'm going to slightly not answer that question, but but um, there was a famous story from me at drama school uh, in which at the end of my first term, I was the person who had just been to have her end of year review or end of term review came out in tears. Um, and said that it had been awful and they like pulled her apart and just destroyed her basically and, and you know 
So I gave her a hug and, and they called me in. And mine was completely different. Mine was, I felt very positive and everything. Uh, and they said, right at the end, he said to me, he said, there is one thing I'd say, you don't always take criticism very well. And I was like, mm. oh, yeah, okay. You know, and sort of like bit it down what I actually wanted to say, which was something that like you said about a couple of minutes ago. Um, and anyway, I walked out and, and the person who was next in for me said, how'd it go? And I said, the motherfucker said I couldn't take criticism. Um, which kind of became a bit of a legend for a while about, because it sort of, you know, obviously proved the point slightly. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, anyway, uh, best piece of advice. Um, I, I think I think it's about just keeping going um, and, and ultimately understanding your, your own um, uh, actions impact on other people. So you, you, you choose to be a good colleague or a bad colleague, ultimately, is where it comes, what it comes down to. Um, and I try to think of that as often as I possibly can. Okay. Um, what talent would you love to have? Mm. Well, obviously, I'd love to be an international level sportsman of any, of any sort. Okay. What piece of opera or classical music would you recommend to people for their first time? Like if you're new to it, yeah, yeah. Um, I, th I think that th there's a reason why the popular operas are popular, and you know, I, I, we all know people who came to see, you know, Duke Bluebeard's Castle, their first opera, were hooked forevermore. But in real terms, there is a reason those sort of half dozen eight titles are so popular. Um, uh, and I actually was listening to um, Tosca the other day, just in, in the background something and I was like this is just unbelievable you know because it's like this long and you know it, it does and yet you know as, I, as my tastes have changed but, but I think there's a real reason why those popular operas are popular they, they have a lot of good stuff good, good tunes within them but it it, it, it it you know you can't tell people what to like um but they will find it yeah but true I, I, I think the popular operas are popular for a reason uh, what's your guilty pleasure? I don't feel guilty about pleasure, really. I, I, I think it's something that you know you should have within moderation. Again, what what you what you think is 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 you should have. Um, so I, I yeah, I, I I don't I don't think guilt should be attached to pleasure. I think you should you should enjoy pleasure because if you if you're gonna if you're gonna experience the other side of the equation mm -hmm. that means you have to feel guilt about that as well and okay you know, life happens and in real terms i don't i don't think you should feel about pleasure love it love that most precious thing that you own i mean health is ultimately it my health is, is ultimately it because I, i've always been healthy um and you know, that that's allowed me to do all the things that i wanted to do in a way that i know you know having a disabled daughter I, I know how much of a gift that is what what job would you love to do other than your own sport sports journalist a bit if, if i wasn't a sportsman myself i'd love to be a sports journalist cool. i'd love to, to to you know talk about sport write about sport whatever um but uh you know i mean again that's a shoot I, no, that's that was formed when i had again leaving school i had those two career options of going to theater or going to sports journalism my english wasn't really good enough to do that and all of that so that's you know ended up going down the, the, the theater route 
Um, but yeah, that, but I already, you know, again, I'm very pragmatic. I'd already had the rational process in my head of like, you're, you're not physically built to be a world-class international athlete. Okay, um, I, this is not a question, just a comment. I cannot believe that you have survived in Texas for this long after a comment about rugby versus American football. <laughs> I, I'm, I will, listen, if you have to wear a, a pads because you're not hard enough to play the sport, then that's your call. You, you realize you're saying this and you live in Texas, like Texas I, is football. Uh huh. But but they just, that's because they're just need explaining to them that that it, watch a sport in which people actually physically put themselves on the line. Because the, the thing is with American football is that they have they all have to wear pads and helmets because they're all wearing pads and helmets. So they do things which your body is not supposed to do and put their bodies at you know online in a different way. But they're protecting it because they know that that helmet's going to hit them on the shoulder and it'll shatter their shoulder. So they have to wear shoulder pads go and watch a game of rugby which goes on incessantly for 80 minutes we don't have advert breaks every nine seconds and listen i i love i love football american football and i love college football i, I you know it's not like i don't like it as a sport but it, it's so clearly not a sport that is set up in the same way that sports are not meant to be stopped and have a break every nine seconds that's just not what sport is it's meant to have a, uh, you know, it's like a show. If, if every time you came on and sang an aria and then you went, uh, you, you finished your aria and then you went off and go, Wonderful <laughs> Prince Diet Coke. You wouldn't regard that as an opera performance. You regard that as an infomercial. <laughs> I agree with you. And rugby is really great. It is how easy would our jobs be if we got to go off and like, you know, have a smoke, a shot of vodka and then come back on? That'd be amazing. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> it would be much more lucrative, clearly. Thank you. Okay. Um, all right. Most embarrassing dad moment. Most embarrassing dad moment. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I, 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 I completely acknowledge that I've been spoken to at volleyball tournaments for over over uh, aggressive cheerleading on many occasions. I love that. Favorite curse word in any language? Cock womble. <laughs> wait, 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 you have to say that again because the internet went out. You have to say that one more time. Cock womble, cock womble. Cock womble. Okay, I get the first part of that word. What's the second part? <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, you wouldn't even know what a womble is. Um, fuck trumpets is good. Oh, he's a fuck trumpet. <laughs> oh, um, you, you, the British swear words are so great. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's, there's such a lexicon there, you know, and, and you, you find yourself using them in in in, in language. So, um, you know, yeah, bell end is a good one because it just it just it, you know. It's just a bell end, which is the end of the gentleman's attack. Yeah, you know, all yeah. of that stuff. But, but yeah. Okay. I, okay, I'm going to tell you about my favorite. I'm going to, I'm going to tell, you, tell, tell you my favorite tweet, but I'm going to say the word that begins with C, and it's a word I don't like to say, but it's a, it's a fantastic tweet of a um 
it's saying you've not you've never really truly experienced a night out in glasgow until you've experienced somebody <laughs> somebody pushing a broom at a hairbrush that dropped on the on the subway so someone dropped a hairbrush on the subway I mean, this guy's pressing at the broom going come at me you jabby wee c-word <laughs> he's having a fight with a hairbrush that's been dropped by someone on the floor love it yeah. love it uh -huh. all right Gary, last, last question if heaven exists what do you want to hear god say as you walk through the pearly gates if heaven exists i'm not going that direction i suspect um uh i want him to say that you let he left you left some sort of imprint on the world cool beautiful okay. thank you so much really of for course giving us your time and then yes we got to get to know you a lot better and yeah I <laughs> yeah <laughs> good, good and good and bad great that people see the human side of of all of us you know and, and absolutely and that's what we we really try to do is to show the human side of opera in our business and right you yeah right into it i mean well you we, two got you guys have such an amazing chemistry because you just i mean it's just clear you're just great mates i mean yeah we know, that's fantastic yeah yeah it's been a lot it's of fun bad you weren't there when we did the the brusalka and the anna belena <laughs> a heck of a lot of fun mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll do it again. <laughs> yep. we'll do it again. Uh, in person soon. I know. I hope so too. And really, just congratulations on the new job. We are Thank all you. so excited for you, and so excited for the future of COC, a company like we said that we both love so much. So, um, this was a pleasure. I'm so glad that we had this conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Great stuff. Take care.